The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. Shitty ones, though. <laughs> Welcome back to Madman Please tell me you're keeping that part in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, good. That's the intro. That's cool. Good Perfect. Uh, Manatees, the podcast where uh, we watch movies. Uh, the only, nearest I can tell, the only uh, piece of recorded human medium where people watch a movie someone else has made then discuss about it. Uh, rather than making their own. It's a novel concept I'm trying out for this uh, new medium of podcasting. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Come with us on this journey um, into ancient mysteries and So, listen, guys, what happened is Indiana Jones is a pretty good movie, right? (laughs) Which I found out yesterday, all four Indiana Jones movies are on Netflix. No, really? Yeah, they're all on there. I think they just recently got put up on there. Why did I spend two hours of my life on fucking Tomb Raider? You spent two? I spent fucking four. What? I so didn't want to watch this movie a second time, but I didn't take notes the first time. And I wish I had. But anyway... Listen, we 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 made the conscious decision to do bad movie because it's hard to make fun of good movies. <laughs> and I thought, you know, there there has been a glee in bad movies in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I legitimately enjoyed Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. I 
legitimately have several times even since the podcast enjoyed Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> That's the one, guys. I spent $15 on that. It wasn't even on sale. I just got it. <laughs> One of seven movies I've I've had girls over and watched Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> they did go? not sleep with me, and I still find it again. <laughs> but this one. This movie makes me miss Resident Evil. That should never ever happen. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, we've seen, we've seen a few, we've seen a few uh, video game movies in the in the series and. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of a return to form. Because, like, we were gonna do this uh, before we settled on a very different direction. Yeah. <laughs> Video game movies and a, a total podcast career of, like, 20 episodes was gonna be our thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sir. I'll get better. Yeah. I won't attempt to hide. Well, dude, we're all dying. It's fine. Some of us, some of us faster than others. I don't know where I'm going with that. Now I've got a vacuum plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut my own head off and put it in a robot body. Okay. Um, and then hope that a good Samaritan knows how to wire like dangling tendrils of a human nervous system to circuit boards just happens upon me before the meat goes bad. Because uh, my plan ends with cutting my head off over an open robot head. But uh, I'm sure something will happen along. And then I'm going to live forever. Oh yeah. Yeah, seems like a solid plan. It's gonna be good. Yeah. So listen, what happened here, Indiana Jones was a pretty good movie. And some guys were like, we wanna make a video game about that. Um, but Uncharted wasn't a thing yet, <laughs> so instead, uh, 
They made one called Tomb Raider. And then it... I don't even know if it was that good or not. I didn't like it, because it's block puzzles, mostly. I've actually never played any games in the series, so I'm... I'm going in completely blind on this. So, near as I can tell, they want to emulate sort of an Indiana Jones vibe. Originally, it was going to have, you know, a character creation option where you choose right one or two models and change their hair color or something. Uh, for time, they cut it to one and figured they could distinguish themselves a little bit by having a female protagonist. So they cut the male body version. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of people thought it was hot. Which is already a little weird. Although I don't know if it was intended that way. If like the creators of the game thought that. Or if it was just like a weird fan reaction. Because, you know, exaggerated Barbie all proportions and stuff. And I don't know if that's the reason why the games were popular, but I feel like that's a large part of the reason why the games were popular. I think it might have been why they were initial... Maybe not initially why they were popular, possibly. It was because of her, uh large polygonal figure uh but I mean the series has gone on for 20 something years at this point and they did a they did a reboot of the series like 5 years ago that one was actually pretty good. I played that one. I've heard it was pretty good, but I like I've I've seen gameplay of it, and it looks a lot more cinematic than the old games or the movie that we watched. But I mean, it's it also looked a little bit. I don't know, too, it looked a little too involved for my taste, so, I don't know, but it looked like it was a pretty cool game. It was one of those, like, you, it starts you out in a boat crash or plane crash, I actually forget which one, um, but you're hurt and your character's doing the limping thing. You have to like, try to find your way out of this cavern. Mm-hmm. And you get attacked by crazy guys who are also stranded there. Uh, and there's nothing over the top cartoony about it. It's actually pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, and I was into it, 
and also you look like just a person. I mean, everyone in video games is more attractive than real people, but not like... It's not creepy male gaze the video game. Mm-hmm. Or at least it didn't seem like it to me because I was busy trying to corpse this guy with a <laughs> fucking uh, like snow what do you call it? A climbing pickaxe thing. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. And that is way more distracting than, like, whatever she's wearing, which I think is pretty normal stuff. I don't even remember. Yeah. Which was not how the earlier games went. Not how one of the current games that I also tried playing went which was, I don't remember which one, but fans of the series might recognize this the uh the opening series is your mansion is like being attacked and burning down or something and that was uh then it flashes back to the first level and you have a yacht you're diving because you're trying to get into this tomb that's under water in a temple or something Uh, and I didn't get past that part because actually going into the tomb and solving the puzzles was a pain in the ass but I really liked having a yacht and being able to just go swimming around off the back of my yacht. <laughs> so I kept just sort of going about the yacht. I was listening to podcasts at the time of like half my characters stand there in this pretty nice little yacht and jump off and swim around and be like, I could be rich. That was the the part of that game I enjoyed. (laughs) Beyond that, I haven't played any of you. Uh, no. I actually, I got the first three games in the series somehow. I think it might have been in a Humble Bundle or something, but I have not actually played any of them, just because of... They probably haven't aged well as far as mechanics and that sort of thing go. And I'm not... I'm not the biggest fan of, like, third-person shooters and that sort of thing, so it might not necessarily be something I'd be that interested in, but... I have them, so at some point I will at least play them for, I'll give them 10 or 15 minutes, maybe. But we'll see. Well, the, the video game Legacy of K 
became sorry for actually borrowed a lot mechanically from Tomb Raider. Oh, okay. Uh, so if you played through that one at all, uh, I haven't, but I have that also. I think possibly also if you're a humble bundle. I do have it though. Because I didn't play that one all the way to completion. Uh, where weird gargoyle guy and saw more block puzzles, but this one you can impale vampires on stuff, so whatever. But same weakness of just a, a lot of things where you go into a big room, slide blocks around, and then climb on those blocks to slide other blocks into the right place, and slide a box onto the switch, so that switch stays pressed so you can jump on the other block and do blah blah. Like it's not... So I was sort of like into. Yeah, so it's sort of like Portal then. Except without yeah, the portals, Portal gun. Portal's real good though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> portal starts out real good and then gets. Uh, I never beat Portal, but. It has those weird physics conceits that make it interesting. Yeah. I liked it up until kind of the end, because, uh, well, I don't know, whatever. I mean, I get motion sickness. Uh, there are only a couple first-person shooters and flight sims and stuff that I can handle for a long time. And Portals turns out not one of them. Yeah, it does get kind of, kind of woozily wazily after a while, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, all this just to say, they kind of made a Indiana Jones video game with this sort of oversexed protagonist and then later on decide to make a movie based on this game, based loosely on a movie, but had to take it in as different directions they could. And that's how we got 2001's Lara Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> Uh, which is not, you know, a super auspicious start. Yeah. Tomb Raider 2001 has a 5.8 on IMDb, which is higher than I would have expected. Seems generous. A 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. That sounds about right. Yeah. 
40% audience appreciation score actually higher than what we expected. And 4.5 stars out of 5 stars on Amazon. 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 God damn it. Christ. It never changes. Yeah. Uh, starring Angelina Jolie. Who's been in just shit ton of stuff. Um, Girl Interrupted. And Gia. And then a bunch of silly things. <laughs> uh. And wanted and salt, and she was the gold lady in Beowulf. And she was an actor six years younger than her's mom and Alexander. <laughs> uh, she was the sky pirate. She was the the Catherine Zeta Jones in Phantom. In Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, she was famously. What? Well, she was famously with uh, Billy Bob Thornton for a while and John Boyd's daughter and. Married to Brad Pitt and uh, oddly always paired with some sort of male celebrity in every news story I read about her. She's famous. Yeah, but Girl Interrupted is, I think, her last, like, really fantastic She's a Good Actor movie. Although she's not a bad actor in this, it's just a bad movie. Yeah. Also starring John Voight, her real-life dad, as her, uh, in-movie dad. Yep. John Voight, you may remember from, like... Like, Midnight Cowboy? Yeah, that's the and one that then, made him famous, I think. And then he was in a bunch of other things I'd never heard of. Yeah. Uh, kind of just... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> famous. He's famous. Yeah. He'd been doing it for a while, he's famous. Yeah. At this point, I think mostly famous is for being Angela Jolie's dad. Pretty much. Seems like it. Uh, Ian Glenn? Possibly Ian Glenn or o Owen Glenn or something Welsh? I think he's Scottish, actually. Oh. 
I well, think. then I just don't know how to pronounce I A I N. That's that's uh, fair. I I wouldn't don't either. Actually, I think because I looked up a cast when I was when I was doing my research of this, because the next person I'm you were probably gonna mention. I had to look up because, like, is that? And it was. But, um, I, I'm guessing Ian Glenn. He was in. Sir Jor Mormont in Game of Thrones. And I thought it said I might have been thinking of the wrong character. Now I need to look at this filmography real quick to make sure I'm not completely wrong. Okay. He was in Resident Evil. Or, no, I'm sorry. He was in Resident Evil Apocalypse. He was in some of the sequels as like a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a weird tie-in. Just video game movies, small universe casting. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm gonna call him Sir Jorah because I love him and that. He's Captain Friendzone in Game of Thrones. Have you seen that show? Actually, I've seen the first three episodes. Okay, he, he was in them. I think he's been there from the beginning. I can't remember. It's been like a year since I've seen him. More than a it's year, It's a glow up. He looks way better as like a... 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 A dilf. <laughs> I mean, if we're really... Well, actually, I don't know if the next guy is a dilf, but he's definitely an elf. Um, a slightly less... A, a slightly less brick shit house Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Daniel Craig, the modern James Bond, back when he had human proportions and <laughs> didn't have the the, uh, the wisdom of ages on his face. <laughs> um, Doing, I guess it turns out the last fucking minute he's the romantic uh, interest of Angelina Jolie. I, I don't even think that's a thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it, they acted like it was, but then they hadn't established it. I don't know. Yeah, but but he Angelina Jolie is super American, but in the in the 
Her character, uh, Lara Croft, is super British. Daniel Craig is super British, but his character, Jim West Desperado, was the same Alex, Alex West. West. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jim West was Wild Wild West. We don't that need to remember fun. that. <laughs> we don't need to remember that, please. That, that one... I think I like that one better than this one. Oh, well, I mean, there there are a lot of movies I like better than this one. Uh, his character is super American. Yeah. And he can't... I assume Angelina Jolie's British accent isn't great. I'm not British, so I don't know. I know Daniel Craig's American accent is something incredible. <laughs> because he kind of doesn't know what to do, so he just sort of like yells everything with <laughs> this weird twang that comes out of nowhere. Well, I, I didn't so. realize it until I watched it the second time, but his accent does kind of go all over the place. Like, it is sort of southern one minute, and then he's, he's New Jersey-ish the next, and it's like... I mean, it was sort of convincing until I started to stop and listen to it. It's like, wait a minute, you're... Where the hell are you from? <laughs> yeah, what are you... I mean, I assume that we do that a lot with, uh, like, I can't tell a Liverpool accent from a South London, from a North Country, Cork, whatever the hell. Right. I mean, England's like, England's like three miles across, but they have a bunch of different they have like 75 different accents. They have more accents than we do here, which is insane. Yeah, they have like, I mean, we have a bunch of accents, but we're also continent. Right. And I've, I've been to England and I drove across the entire country in a day. And it passed through like seven distinct tribes to all speak differently. It's strange. But I, I assume we do that too. Like we have our default made up British accent that's probably crossing 15 or 20 different dialects that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. It seems sort of like what Angelina Jolie was going for was, well, she was going for a slightly more posh sort of London accent, I think, just because I guess she's royalty. Lara Croft is the royalty because she's a lady she's, and her father was a lord. I don't she's know how. British nobility. Which is kind no of the same. Yeah. 
whatever. It's all the same to me. That's good. Uh, and also starring Grandpa from the Boy in the Striped Pajamas as Mr. Illuminati. I don't know his name. That's just what I recognize him as. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reference is entirely lost on me, but okay. Well, the boy in the striped pajamas is, unless I'm getting it mixed up with some similar title, it's a, it's a super fun and uplifting holocaust movie. Oh. And he played Grandpa in it, and now he's the head of the Illuminati who speaks like twice. Uh, now I need to look because the guy's name is Richard Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Dick Johnson. <laughs> okay, so it's called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? Yeah. Am I wrong? I'm looking through his filmography. How, how... Was that an older movie or recent? I don't even know. I think, I mean, it's 21st century, I think. Because no, no, I'm looking through his filmography right now. It's, he, I was in the... Oh, yeah, he is. He was. Aha! Yep, you're right. I recognize people. <laughs> then there's the butler who I think is a comedian or something, but I don't remember what I've seen him in. Yeah, and, he, uh, um, I had to look him up, too, because, well, I, I haven't actually seen it, but he was one of the main characters in Red Dwarf, which was like a... okay. Yeah, Chris Berry. I'd never heard of him before this, but I've, I've always wanted to watch Red Dwarf, and I have not yet, but... Yeah, he was, it, uh, uh... It didn't speak to me the way I hoped it would. I think I watched one episode, but it but might get better. I think it went on for like 10 years or something, so... Yeah, we'll see. I don't know, I do kind of yeah. want to watch Red Dwarf anyway, but... One of these days. No, and pilots are always awkward anyway, so I don't know if it's... Yeah. It's not a fair thing to base it on, but just there's so much TV waiting out there for me that if it doesn't grab me right away, it's sort of just like, well, back of the pile, and then whether or not I finish the pile in my lifetime is a different sort of question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I told you, I, I told you on your podcast, right, the, uh, for some reason I watched the entirety of this series about, like, Satan solving mysteries oh, in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lucifer, <laughs> I just, I, right? 
Yeah, I discovered it existed that day. I liked the comics. It has nothing to do with the comics, but I watched the entire series. <laughs> and that could have been time I could have spent on the Lost series that were on my list. But nope, the day I discovered it, and then the following week, that's all I did. So that's how I do TV. <laughs> also Netflix put an anime about Castlevania and it's actually pretty good I need so to good. see that I think they just did a season 2 right I don't know I think they but, did uh, or they're going to I know they were going to do a season 2 but I have not seen season one. I've heard it's I've heard it's pretty good, so I like it. It uh I gotta well, I also like I like those those cross cultural takes on legends where you don't quite get it anyway. Like one of my favorite things is uh anime or Japanese video game takes on, like, Christian mythology. Yeah. Because they clearly don't quite get it, but their version is kind of better sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, just their version of Dracula is amazing. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. But it's great. There is a second season of Castlevania. It, I think it might have just come out recently. Ooh. Yeah. I'll get back to that also for a dwarf. Yeah. Uh, also, there's the, the nerd guy who's apparently played Hitler like three times. What? Yeah, uh, I don't know his name, but if you look him up, he's played Hitler in something a couple years ago, then something like ten years ago, and apparently he just has that kind of face when you got the mustache on him. So, his name is Noah Taylor. I have the Wikipedia page open, that's why I'm looking at it. There you go. Uh, let me see. Just control F Hitler on that shit. <laughs> let me see. I'm looking through his filmography, it's not... Oh wait, no, there he is. Uh, in a movie called Max. Plays Hitler. Uh, that's from 2002. Hold on. Oh, yeah. He is in. I guess in Preacher. It says. Oh, interesting. Plays Hitler. That's another comic I kind of liked, but not a show scene. Yeah. So he was in six episodes of Preacher and he played Hitler in that. 
And then this movie called Max. So I guess those are the two instances where you play as Hitler. Weird. And it was directed by Simon West, who is most famous in my circles for a music video he directed called Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> So directed like Connor, General Stoddard, but mostly never gonna give you up. I think that's the most important, uh, important thing that he's directed in his entire career. The most yeah, important it's... cultural phenomenon. I keep not wanting to drop songs in anywhere in the episode because then they'll throw off the whole vibe we're going for, but I might try to open with this song in this one. Just, no, no, no. No, that's not what we do. This movie uh, had a budget of $115 million. I guess it all went to sets. Yeah. It did not go to editing. No. Not go to soundtrack. Mm hmm. And worldwide gross is $274 million. So they did do a sequel that I haven't seen, and I'm not fucking going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want to see Lara Croft colon Tomb Raider hyphen the Cradle of Life? Look, I like this podcast a lot, but there's a limit. I have to think about my safety and my health and my family. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry to, to go back to the soundtrack, but you mentioned it, and I wanted to bring this up real quick, because... I read this, I was looking again through the Wikipedia page about the, about the soundtrack, and apparently what went on with the soundtrack was they originally hired the guy who did the music for the games, and... They decided that he was not good enough to score a feature-length film. So yeah. Michael Kamen did a demo for the soundtrack, and then oh. no one ever told him. No, like he never heard back from producers. 
So as he was creating a second demo, they said, they, they finally heard back from him. And by that point, he's basically like, I don't give a shit. He moved on to other projects. So they hired a guy named Graham Revel who composed the soundtrack in less than two weeks and it shows. Yeah, it's very... Mighty quality kind of just background generic elevator music. That and this song, sort of like bass track you lay that someone listens to for what three to five seconds before you get into a song. Yeah, it's it's that and a bunch of like techno EDM songs from like the late 90s early 2000s that apparently movie producers think all video game all video game movies need to have techno soundtracks even though the games themselves don't have those but you know whatever they're kids, they like EDM, that's how it works. What is EDM? Electronic dance music. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't called that back then. It's techno, basically, is what it was called, but... Gotcha. Yeah. I know techno and I know electronica and it's all the same thing, but I haven't heard of EDM before. That's just, that's the phrase that the kids use these days to describe their terrible music. But yeah, it's, it's like, it's like Chemical Brothers or the the song and the first and the like the first opening scene and there's a bunch of other people. Uh, there's that one song at the end that "Where's Your Head At" song that I cannot get out of my head because I made the mistake of watching the movie a second time till the end and I had to listen to that song again and now I can't get it out of my fucking head is that the yeah that one okay I have heard that one yeah and then for some reason also in the credits there's U2 the Elevation song that's really fucking terrible but that's well, just not. U2 so I don't want to talk too much shit about EDM because I think 
than all stone compasses, the Mortal Kombat theme song, which I think might be the best song ever made. That's more iconic than, uh, let's see, than anyone, than anything by the, well, I don't know, but maybe not anything by, but, but yeah, it's like the entire soundtrack, it's, let me see, there's Nine Inch Nails, there's the Chemical Brothers, there's I mean, Missy Elliott. pretty good. Oh no, they're um, fine, I'm just I'm saying, not a it's like... I'm fan of them, but they're... Yeah, I know, but... stuff. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they're bad, they're actually fine, but I'm just saying it's like... That's Reznor, right? Yeah. But then there's like... Reznor. Moby and... Basement Jacks and Fatboy Slim and a bunch of other people who I haven't heard of. I like Moby, I like Fatboy Slim. I'm not saying they're bad, I'm just saying the movie doesn't fit the soundtrack. Or the soundtrack doesn't fit the movie. That's true, these are not shimming into tune right. artists. Yeah, these are... Uh, the songs by themselves are perfectly fine, it's just... They don't work in this context, but... Pretty much all the movie doesn't work in its own context, but... That's accurate. Yeah. So I've got this character, she's Bruce Wayne, uh, who does Indiana Jones stuff. Mm -hmm. She dedicates her entire life and fortune to having, like, a lot of fun, it seems like, but then, because her dad's missing, she has to do the Bruce Wayne thing scowl all the time, and the two don't work together at all. Because you don't have a, a bungee cord game in your sitting room <laughs> and also be angry all the time. <laughs> it is bad. Yeah. Uh, very first scene. Well, we, we've got like an upside down rope dealy. Mm-hmm. Zooms in our face, but she's upside down because she's doing Spider Man shit. She, she does a bunch of flips for no discernible reason. We've got a bunch of extreme close ups of her feet walking and then her hips while she's walking so can she wearing short shorts and I've made a terrible mistake <laughs> and well, I mean this is the earliest this has ever happened to me where I'm 
eight seconds in, I'm just like, uh, whoops, 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 whoops. <laughs> I know, I saw after I watched this the first time that, that Doom is also on Netflix, and I thought, oh, I wish I'd seen that earlier. Because I've seen that, and that's also terrible, but it's not, it's not this. It's not, it's not we need to show Angelina Jolie's crotch twice in the first minute of this movie for fan service reasons. No, let's, let's definitely need to do it very soon. And by the way, by the way, patrons, uh, <laughs> the next episode will be the one that I, I'll have to pull for like three months it's long enough. So the next episode we're going to do another pulp. Uh, I wanted to give everyone a chance to vote, but I didn't forget about that. Nice. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that right away, because I'm trying to balance out the, like, it, not forgetting about it. Like, why did I even vote? They haven't done it for three months, but also wanting to give everyone a chance to vote. Yeah. So, yeah. we'll take a break from shitty, from gutter trash. We'll take a break from this one episode of Dumpster Fire. Dumpster Fire movies. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure we have a couple listeners who enjoyed this. I'm trying, I tried to for like, I really went in trying to, but it was at this point, eight seconds in, <laughs> where I realized that it wasn't going to. <laughs> so, okay, so we see your butt. And it's wearing shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of in a tomb, but kind of not. She is suddenly attacked by the Ed 209 from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robocop. Not actually, the Ed 209 is a cool design. This is just kind of a generic robot thing. Yeah. Um. But she, she defeats in hand-to-hand combat? Yeah. It's what I, okay. Like, she shoots it in its bulletproofs and instead she just starts tearing metal off it with her fingers. I'll take your word for it because, uh, I could not tell what was happening in this entire opening scene. There, I thought for a brief moment about 
going back and counting how many quick cuts they made in that movie, but I thought I would go insane trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, so, we don't... Numbers only go so high, no. Like, yeah. What's the highest number, like six million? I, th I think it's more than that, quite honestly. <laughs> Like, I think it, it's six million. Yeah. It, it seems like it. But it was just... It was total chaos. And uh, the only time I could tell sort of what was happening was when the, the robot had this saw blade. And it was trying to saw her head in half. But then she just... Did she push the saw blade back into it or something? Did I see that right? Was that part of it? Or am I just completely wrong? Like, she's overpowering... She's overpowering a robot is what we're saying. Like, she's stronger than a robot. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, she definitely at some point... Well, yeah, I mean, I, she, she, my main memory of it is just that she... finds it's bulletproof. She can't shoot it to death. So she does start using her fleshy human digits on it. And that does work. Because it's made out of just garbage or something. Yeah. It's weird. I don't even... But, so she's fighting this robot because there's robots in this movie, apparently. Yeah. And then... Uh, but you're about to... No, I was just going to say... It. Turns out it's all just a training exercise because she gets to whatever she needed to get to, and the robot stands up and she yells, Stop! and it does. And then she puts on some techno music because, you know. The kids love the video games and their techno music, so of course we have to put as much techno music into this video, into this video game movie as possible. Yeah, so she has her own danger room? Yeah. In her mansion? Yeah. The, that's a fake... It's a fake tomb. It's not like a tomb, like a, a like at first I was I thought it was ridiculous how much history they were destroying in this fight. <laughs> it's not. It's just fake, like plaster stuff she got, so she can fight her robot in a. Uh, it's, it's crazy. This movie's crazy. Yeah. It's bananas. I don't know what to do with it. 
Yeah. So, she... succeeds, I guess? And that means she destroys half the tomb and kills the other two of mine. Yeah. Uh, I guess she's strong enough. Either she's strong enough or the robot is light enough that she just drags it out of the room. Well, she's strong. She just... She tore... I, I don't want to overstate this. She tore its armor off so she could start tearing its wires out. That's how she killed it. Yeah, like she's stronger than steel. Whatever she's made of. Yeah. Uh, from being rich. Rich powers. Mm-hmm. It's at this point when we figure out how rich she is because she lives in a museum slash palace full of her stolen riches and jewels. <laughs> <laughs> because she's a she's British nobility and she's a uh, colonial treasure hunter and what she does is she goes around she steals a bunch of native artifacts and takes them back home <laughs> and and then feels morally superior to other guys who do that exact same thing for money whereas she does it for riches so that's a much better <laughs> well I mean there is a difference between being rich and being wealthy so I guess <laughs> um we cut to the shower scene. She's right. showering with her mouth open. Uh-huh. We have multiple takes of the same thing. It's like, what, two two hair flips and a bunch of just kind of looking up into the water thing where they're like... It was like the director took a couple takes and was like, you know what, fucking use them all. <laughs> just put them all in there. <laughs> this goes on for like a while. Uh, kind of an uncomfortably long amount of time, but again, they just have to get the fan service in. And, yeah, but it's uh, not even like... It's that weird fan service where it's like... like Clavicle and up. Uh, hair flip. I don't. I don't I get mean, it. I mean, for I get most of it. For for some guys, that's enough apparently, because it's like the the illusion of nudity is enough for some guys to be like. 
Gotta go. Yeah, that sort of thing. But, Jesus. What? It was just a disturbing sound you made. That's all. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> That's what those kinds of guys noise make. That's the noises those kinds of guys make. You know? All they need to see is a clavicle and a hair flip, and they're like, and they're done. Stop. (laughs) What, you don't like my sex noises? Well, fuck off, dude. I thought we were on a date. What is this? We're doing a podcast. I thought it was a pod date. Datecast. My new podcast, Datecast. I don't know. I wanted to make a joke. I wanted to make a joke earlier about how we were watching the wrong movie because I, I thought we were gonna be watching Womb Raider, which I guess was a thing, but I decided not to. Of course, that's anything. Yeah. Anyway. There was, for the record, there was another Tomb Raider movie that came out like two or three years ago that was much better than this one. Hmm. I'm not saying it was good, but there was one that came out that was much better. To be fair, that's, that's a pretty low bar to reach, but still, I mean... Anything that's better than this one is that's cool with me. Yeah, but there were like stakes and it wasn't really magical and stuff and the main character had traits besides being a video game main character. Oh. So we cut to the Venice cult guys. Another bunch of guys are sitting around in a palace slash museum. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the, the artifact they're all looking for is called the Triangle. And they call it the Triangle because it's a triangle. Yeah. And it's been broken to three pieces? No, just two. two. pieces. Because they two need, for the triangle. Because they need the key in order to find the two pieces of the triangle. I'm just saying, there's a reason to make it a triangle, but so you can break it into three pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's a planetary alignment coming up. That actually does happen. 
think it's like every seven, eight thousand years or something, so fair enough. Totally intact science, very well researched. I, I actually was kind of curious about that when they mentioned it happens every 5,000 years. I was wondering, does the math actually work that way? So, no, but it's... it's It's not going to happen anytime in our lifetime, I think, but it's just, I mean, anytime you have a bunch of things circling at different rates, yeah, at some point they're all going to line up. Yeah. Just give it an infinitely long time and infinite numbers of possibilities. Uh, I think they've done the math and it's going to happen. Well, you know what, I'm just going to look it up, because I don't know. Okay. When is the next planetary alignment? In parentheses, for Illuminati. Will <laughs> <laughs> the planets align next? If you miss the planetary alignment. Uh, this will be three of them. Uh, do all the planets line up? Are somewhat aligned every 500 years and are grouped within 30 degrees every one to three alignments? So. Within around 30 degrees shows the last such alignment was in 561 BC and the next one will be in 2854. So about every 3300 years. Right, but okay, now the question here is, does that it take it's on the wreck? question is though, does this take Pluto into account? Because back when this movie was made, I think Pluto was still a planet. And I, uh, this one, it's from the astronomy department at Cornell, actually specifies the eight planets plus Pluto. Okay. Are aligned. Okay. Are somewhat aligned every 500 years, but then more perfectly aligned, and again within 30 degrees. So I don't know if that's. I mean, I know Pluto's uh, a different one because part of the reason it got demoted from planet is it doesn't follow the same. Uh, rotational axes of the rest. Right, yeah. So, like, they're all sort of on a level, you know, left to right, the horizontal plane, mm -hmm. uh, and then Pluto's off kilter and sort of goes around a diagonal angle. Uh, so that one is much rarer, I think. Yeah. 
established that that's true, I can then uh, just trust that all the other science in this movie is true. Right. Uh, because they've established their credentials and I don't need to second guess anything. So that's, that's refreshing. Yeah, it seems logical to see a scientifically accurate Not like Resident Evil if it's, you know, zombies and mutants. Yeah. I, I want to go back to Resident Evil. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird. We should watch the sequel to Resident Evil. Oh, God. Just, just the first one, right? Not the next four. I don't know if I like it, I'm watching the next four. <laughs> I've been right serious, it's probably... Oh god. I've seen the entire Transformers series, I've seen the entire Fast and Furious series. <laughs> I watched all the Harry Potters in one week. Oh god. Uh, I'll, I'll do, I'll do Resident Evil. Almost done with all the underworld movies. I'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna try to eat Garrett together with me and do an entire series, like five hour episodes sometime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still need to watch the. I still actually need to watch the. Batman movies so Anthony and I can do one episode because he still wants me to do that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. I just gotta do it. I know it's just... It's an hour and a half long. It's been six months. No, it's... No, it's not an hour and a half. It's both Batman and Batman Returns and they're two hours each. That's four hours. Just watch the first one first, and then I'll make you want to watch the second one or not. Right, no, I mean, it's... No, he wants me to do both movies regardless. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So, uh, she's got a missing dad. Um... Goes out to the best mausoleum I've ever seen. It's <laughs> a concrete canvas tent. Yeah. Mold. Uh, why they have a mausoleum for a guy who's missing and not confirmed dead? I don't know. And while I have an exact date on the missing um, plaque, I don't know. 
Mark. He went missing. We don't know what happened to him on May 21st, 1981. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it does a huge downshift in the music and the pacing. And I just wrote, don't try to make me sad movie, you're silly. You've <laughs> <laughs> been on screen for like seven minutes and you're ridiculous. You can't try to make me feel for this character you're just now introducing who's was dead before he introduced him. <laughs> Observatory in her house, which is pretty baller. Yeah. They do a full pan to show off how fake the observatory sky is, <laughs> which I don't know why they did that. Because it's just painted on there, and you wouldn't be able to tell if the camera held still. For some reason, they strafe with it so you can tell exactly. <laughs> Uh, they just painted a piece of dome. <laughs> and I don't even know what's happening at this point. Like, a dream tells her over a box under the stairs? Yeah. I think what happens is she has a dream from when she was a kid. And we get plot dump number one, uh, where, where her dad, who I'm just gonna refer to as John Boyd, because I don't remember his character's name, it's Lord Croft, sure, but I, whatever. <laughs> He, he, like, explains how the whole planetary alignment thing works. And then, yeah, she wakes up and she's hearing this ticking noise, which is pretty impressive considering that the ticking is coming from a clock held within another clock, buried under some straw, which is held inside a treasure chest, which is hidden inside of a secret panel inside her staircase, which is probably about a quarter of a mile away from where she was sleeping. Yeah, it's... So she has the fucking ears of a bat, is what I'm saying. It just... It, it comes on for no small reason. And as we learn later on in the movie, it comes on... Really for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like... It comes on because her dad set it up to actively work against all of his interests. Yeah. At this exact point. I 
I actually, I wrote that exact point down later on, too. But it's we'll just, get to it's one of those, like, like, give, give your, your screenplay a once over. Mm-hmm. A one, just one. Yeah. Run it by anyone else. So she finds this, what, she finds it's a clock in a, in a thing. Mm-hmm. She takes it out to her nerd friend. I do like this guy's trailer out on the lawn, though. Yeah. Because she lives in one of those giant, boring British palaces where it's sort of just a big rectangle with a bunch of fancy rooms inside. And then the grounds are just dead flat grass with some like paving stone walkways in geometric patterns going out from it. You know you know the type. Yeah. The the late eighteenth century palace where you're like, okay, but you had this much space and this is what you did with it? Nothing. (laughs) If I'm ever making a palace, I'm going to have a bunch of courtyards inside the palace with, like, plants and bushes. Not like we can play croquet on the lawn. Actually, that's probably what it's for. Yeah. More than likely. I'm never gonna have a house, don't worry about it. But if I do, there's gonna be a McDonald's in it. (laughs) God. (laughs) I mean, that's still better than having. I think they said an 83-room mansion with all of three people living on the premises, which seems like a waste. So I've seen in some of those like crazy Hollywood Hills mansions where they'll have a swimming pool in the backyard you can also sort of swim out to from like the family room or something you get into the water and sort of swim under the bottom wall and then you're out in the backyard and there's a little mini bar in the pool or whatever what I want to know has anyone yet done a full series of like swimming tubes a la Sequest <laughs> where you can just sort of roll out of bed and then swim into the kitchen and like pull yourself out of like every room has a pool on one corner of the floor because there's this water away through the whole thing. (laughs) 
Isn't that the plot of the movie Waterworld? No. What? No. <laughs> 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 on the plot, and B, no. Waterworld, the world is the water. God damn it, <laughs> It is the plot of Sequest. That was the... Did you ever watch that one? I thought you said it wasn't a plot. No, I, I know. That was, that was the joke. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Sequest. It's Star Trek with the submarine. Okay. Cool. It puts a strange purpose because we know how big the ocean is and it's not that big. <laughs> so the cool guys, he's not actually cool, but he has a trailer out of the lawn because he doesn't want to live with the pals and that's kind of cool. Uh, I like that. He's like, no, this is my house. It's just within your walls. <laughs> They smash it. This is the first time they smash this artifact. They will smash the same artifact to get a piece of the inside a second time later. <laughs> but she smashes the clock to find out there's a different clock in it. Yeah. It's, uh, because it's it's camouflage. It's the key. There's a key on it. It's it's camouflage. It's, it's got like a it's a triangle. It's got it's got the Illuminati symbol on it. It has a gear thing on the back. Actually, I thought this prop. It's a cool looking prop. Yeah. If someone sold me this prop, I'd probably display it somewhere, just not tell anyone what movie it is from. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's from a uh, national treasure. Like, don't look into it. <laughs> the Vinci Code. I don't know. One of those. Those are the same movie, right? I think so. The ocean involved the Illuminati and all seeing eye stuff, right? I probably, I, I guess. Which, like, are we in the Illuminati? Or not, right? I mean. It's. See, I'm not sure we're, we're allowed to say. Right. Right? Or are we? I, I don't know. I went to I went to a Freemasons meeting one time. 
and that, it turns out, is a totally different thing. Yeah. And from there, you can become a Knight Templar if you work for it. But that's not the same thing as Illuminati anyway. Right. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I have a hard time keeping my, my secret evil societies straight, honestly. Well, because in Assassin's Creed, I think the Templar and the Illuminati are the same thing. Which, speaking of bad video game movies, that one. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, for, I forget what the relationship was. I don't know if the Illuminati themselves were in the Da Vinci Code. I know the Templar were. I don't know, man. Anyone can join the Freemasons if you want to. I almost did, but it didn't seem like that much fun. Yeah. I feel like I had a tangent here, but I forgot what it was, so this is the good side story. <laughs> so I showed up, and I didn't seem to have a lot in common with those guys, and I was like, well, maybe next time. Get our motorcycle. Yeah. Reckless drive. drive. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Anyway. Go to this museum auction where the other upper crust British people are selling off artifacts if stolen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like she's got her giant sunglasses on in the daytime because she has to be broody all the time because she's Bruce Wayne. Right. And, and they're sort of playing this like, oh, she's out of place, she doesn't belong here thing. But she most belongs here. Mm-hmm. That's exactly her scene. Yeah. I don't understand, but she accidentally bids on something for two million dollars. It's like, oh shit, she doesn't have that kind of money, she's getting caught. Mm. She definitely has that kind of money. We just saw her recreational robot. She just <laughs> so like... <laughs> nah. Nah. runs into younger, skinnier, more American James Bond. <laughs> so when they have their showdown, like, I steal for riches, not for money. <laughs> you just do it to feed your family. <laughs> You're a hack or something. 
<laughs> I do because my dad's gone and my pals is empty. <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, that's a serious problem that she has. But uh, what even happens next? My, my notes got a little, <laughs> got a little droopy here. Yeah, my, my notes, my notes don't, don't devolve into just all caps screaming for at least another little while for like another half a page so she meets this expert I guess in whatever ancient relics and she shows it to him and he does a really poor job hiding how much of a boner he has for the fact that he can tell the Illuminati about this item. But she apparently doesn't realize that, even though he says, I have no idea what this is. But he obviously does because of all the camera close-ups and the fact that his lip is quivering and things like that and you can see the table raise up a little bit from the boner he has for it and Sam <laughs> what <laughs> Horny today, <laughs> Now I'm hungry. Is what it uh, is. Uh, There's a difference. When I'm hungry, I think about penises. What? Is that weird? <laughs> Anyway, she, show, she shows the clock to some old man. Don't let me dim your flame. <laughs> so she shows the clock to this old man. He think he he says he hasn't seen it anymore, but he obviously knows exactly what it is. Uh, she leaves. And as she's leaving, he, I guess he calls, uh, what's his name, Powell, and then calls her later and says, oh, I was wrong, actually, you should meet this guy who knows a little bit about clocks, his name's Powell. How's Sir Jorah, right? Yes. Yeah. So, they set that up. And we go to another super fancy 
Oh, wide open floor plan with just stuff in it. Sorry. Oh, no. Uh, at the first, yeah, the, just because at the very end of the conversation after he hangs up the phone with, with Angelina Jolie, he looks over to a picture and there's Lord Croft. He's like, I'm sorry, because everyone in the fucking world knows Lord Croft, apparently. He was a popular guy. He used to reckless ride his motorcycle around and talk to people. Right, but it comes up again in other places many, many more times. <laughs> anyway. So we go to this is the third location where it's sort of just a big fancy building with nothing in it. This one seems like a mosque or something. I guess. It's, it's one of those like... I'm trying to... There's a specific name for that style of archway that I associate with mosques, but it's actually in a lot of places worldwide, just not too many non-mosque places locally. I'll, you know what I mean? I, I guess so. I'm, I don't really know that much about... I don't honestly know that much about architecture. Fair enough. Well, points, it's one of those big stone buildings with columns and a tile floor and an arched ceiling pretty up high and that's it. Uh, and people are just sort of, there's furniture around places of it and it looks like they're camping there which is kind of every major rich person set in this movie so far. Okay. Like you don't so much have rooms that have like giant uh anti halls what do you call those uh where people are just sort of hanging out I'm losing the thread sorry uh, poisons everyone's very fancy yeah and we get introduced to his uh, Powell's assistant, who's apparently his name is Pims, which I did not know is a brand of liqueur. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorites actually. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he, he, he mentioned it and he said yes, it's like the drink, but I didn't know what he meant, so I looked it up. The only time I went to London, that's, uh, Pims is what I got super sloppy on before I went to the National History Museum. Oh, nice. It was, uh, it was actually fine. <laughs> but <laughs> it would have been embarrassing in places where everyone wasn't drunk all the time, but that's why I like London. <laughs> 
Monsters. What's this? It's like, ah, uh, it's a statue of Gilgamesh. Like, he's old. <laughs> like, yes, he is, sir. Um, <laughs> would you like more fruit floating in pins? Like, I would, thank you, yes. <laughs> Just as a whole. So, uh, they talk for five seconds. She tells him something that's actually not important because the only thing he's seen is there for so he can know that she has it. Yeah. Even though he already knew she had it. Because the friend she brought to told him that she had it. And the scene actually serves no purpose, plot-wise. <laughs> I forget what was discussed in it. Also, is Pim's ever irrelevant to anything thing? Or is he just sort of also there most of the time? Nope. He... Pretty much disappears after this scene. Yeah. I don't. Th I actually, I think he's just disappeared. He doesn't appear. I think at all. I think he's just gone. Well, I think he's in the Siberia like entourage. No. I don't think he even speaks. No, just, he doesn't. I think the I think the only reason that this scene exists is to establish the fact that Powell met Lord Croft at some point. Cause I think they he mentioned that briefly. And Oh. And, and Lara doesn't take that very well. She gets the she gets even more scowly than before because she has some serious daddy issues apparently. So, um, yeah. I guess I would too if I was. Billionaire because of my dad, but I didn't know him after I was nine. Like that would that would figure prominently into all my stuff. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, would it consume? She was like Croft Castle, so it's kind of right. But would it like consume your life, basically? Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give the movie the, the benefit of the doubt. Why? But if I was, if I was nobility, okay. and my only reason for existing in my entire identity is being the latest sign of this group of people who last did something relevant 300 years ago and just been rich forever. <laughs> uh, 
I feel like family lineage would have to mean a lot more because there's nothing else to me, right? I guess that's fair. Like, I didn't... I, yeah, I don't, I don't have that kind of lifestyle, so I don't know what it's like to be nobility and, and to, to be known for being the, the child of someone who was also noble. So, okay, that's fair. Yeah, it's, uh... I don't know. Yeah. England doesn't seem to have the same... I mean, America's pretty bad, caste system-wise, but, yeah, it seems like England has even fewer inheritance taxes and stuff, <laughs> so it kind of perpetuates. Or I'm talking on my ass. I haven't actually been there or studied their laws. Maybe it's just that everyone who's still nobility there was really good businessmen. I don't know. <laughs> but I kind of doubt it. And then we get the bungee room. Yes. So, part of her grim preparation for vengeance is playing around bungee cords in her library. <laughs> this was my first what the fuck is this statement of my notes was the rich people just have a bungee room. What the fuck is this? I mean, she's clearly setting up, like, like, I feel like she and her bow are actually talking about, like, so if we get invaded, it's gonna be a good action scene. Because I'll be on a bungee, and I'll be like, Wah! and he'll be like, oh! It'll be cool, right? And I'll be like, yes, man, very cool, yes. <laughs> um, that sounds about right. But I can't tell what she's doing. I guess she's practicing rope stuff, but they don't behave at all like ropes do, so it's still... Yeah. It's like that ribbon gymnastics stuff. Yeah. Which is cool, but this is the first and last time she does it. So I guess it's a hobby? Let's go with that. Anyway, all these guys break in the, the SWAT team and break in the in her house. They come in through the skylight. She she shoots nobody. 
<laughs> he shoots her guns in people's general directions and hits people with them, but I guess for the PG-13, she couldn't shoot a single person. So she just kind of has guns for CGI statue people and walls. And robots. Uh, and robots, that's true. I forgot the robots. <laughs> have this weird Spider-Man fight where she's on a bungee cord and they're hanging from their little repelling ropes through the skylights. I do enjoy the butler just sort of hearing gunshots and putting his book down and putting on like a dapper flak jacket. <laughs> Then putting his bathrobe on over it again, <laughs> and like the, the slippers and going out the shower. That was yeah. pretty good, actually. It's pretty great. <laughs> I know it's just like, hey, what if British followers were stuffed in a cheesy joke, but I, was, I still like it. It's yeah. uh, Pretty solid. Yeah. They win. I feel like I should have more serious action scene, but I don't. Like, it's kind of very. It's, it's not bad, but it's not good. Yeah, it's just very. Again, chaotic. I couldn't tell what was going on for 99% of it. The only time I could sort of tell what was going on was when it looked like she sort of unfurled one of the ropes that one of the commando guys was was hanging from and just sort of spun around and fell on the floor. Uh, and then, like, she runs away at some point and there are some guys following her, but... Yeah, she, she dives down a dumb waiter into her garage at some point. Yeah. There's a bunch of fancy British cars that they mentioned the names of three or four of them. Mm-hmm. Well, they mentioned Aston Martin, I remember that, which, uh, that's the one that James Bond drives, because this film is not transparent at all. And then, well, also the the guy, uh, Daniel Craig, who's a bad guy in this one, uses a Walter PPK, which is James Bond's gun. So oh. that was funny. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not a gun guy and I don't have guns, but I am a 
told my 007 for the N64 <laughs> guy. So I know those three specifically. <laughs> nice. Um, so, the, the commandos managed to steal the clock despite all of Lara's best efforts. And they must cause a lot of property damage, like millions of dollars worth of property damage. I was shooting up the wood paneling for most of it, right? Well, I mean, they destroy a skylight and a bunch of other shit. You know, they probably damaged some of her cars and that sort of thing, so... Well, didn't she ride her motorcycle off and blow it up or something? Did I see that or not? Yeah, she... They blew up a couple cars, she, like, kicked someone with the rear tire. Yeah. She does everything she can to avoid shooting one of these guys. <laughs> um, it's just, I mean, it, it just, it goes on and on. There's no, there's no sense of stakes. You know she's not going to get hurt. You know the butler's not going to get hurt. It's all fun game thing. Mm-hmm. And then somehow none of those guys die either. Like everyone's fine, they just get the thing and leave and then eight thousand rounds were discharged into walls <laughs> by both parties <laughs> trying really hard not to hurt each other. Yep. That's what establishes the Illuminati as bad guys because up to this point we had no idea whether they were we knew they were after this thing but they did nothing to show they weren't perfectly deserving of it uh, until just this moment but turns out they'll steal from rich people which actually makes me like them more, but, uh, our main character is people, so they're bad. Yeah. just fucking shows up for the plot. <laughs> and we get plot dump number two. Yeah, in which it's a letter from her father saying like, no, it's a letter from her father with a passage from a poem in it. And then she goes to the bookshelf and cuts open the binding of the book with the poem in it and then there's a letter in that her father hid there that's like 
hey, this letter was written 20 years ago. You have 15 hours to get to fucking Cambodia. <laughs> because I made sure to send this a day later so you would have time to give away the clock to the people I'm trying to keep it from. <laughs> But wouldn't have time to repair for this bullshit I'm making you do. Which uh, I'm a I'm an asshole dead guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which by the way, if he hadn't actually rigged that clock to start when it did, then none of this plot would have happened. And, like, the entire rest of the movie would not have happened. So, when it becomes apparent that her main objective is to prevent the Illuminati from getting this thing, not to get it herself, Mm -hmm. it begs a lot of questions. Like, because... Yeah, like, she could have just destroyed it that day and been like, well, okay, that's the end of the movie. Or just not found it. Like, yeah, it it took a lot of elaborate planning on her dad's part to make this a huge problem. Yeah. So, letters like, hey, you gotta get to Angkor Wat in Cambodia in like 15 fucking hours. Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't worry, I was the only girl in a bald white guy army platoon. <laughs> There's a picture on it. And bald white guy army platoons are always able to break the sound barrier with their planes. <laughs> Even though I'm clearly rich enough to afford a faster plane than military standards do anyway. I don't know why this is in the movie. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, I have another thing here, because uh, yeah. I think he said at some point that the two halves of the triangle were broken up and put on opposite sides of the earth. Cambodia and Siberia are not that far apart. I mean, they're, without getting on a boat, they're pretty far apart. Right, but I mean... Like, you go south and north. I mean, at some point, you can't go any further because it's ice, and at some point, you can't go any further because it's ocean. Right, but it's not like 12,000 miles apart. They're like, they're, I looked it up, they're like 3,400 miles apart. (laughs) 
which no, was, I, no, I, I get, I get it. It might seem like it's the other side of the world to someone five thousand years ago, but nowadays it's like this is a primitive Paleolithic civilization that could stop and reverse time and had a nuclear warhead. You can't expect them to do things like go over the Himalayas. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> Whatever. Also, I forget was... Do we already know that they had like the artifact in blue? Or is that later? I don't remember when they do the info dump on their poorly fleshed out backstory thing. Wait, which which thing? Because at some point we're told that they had this weird the triangles made out of a meteor. And in the crater they built the city, but it's a double crater because it also blew up their city. That that was this info dump. So this is in his letter. Yes. Yeah. That I I wrote. I I remembered to write it down because my paragraph here about info dump number two says something about they somehow control space and time because it was crafted out because the triangles crafted out of a metal found in a meteorite that fell to earth when the last alignment happened because what the fuck is this all this is a huge goddamn coincidence and all they did was split it in half and hide it from hide either half uh, rather than just goddamn destroy it to prevent another apocalypse, this plot is fucking stupid and I hate myself. You know what else they made out of um, the metal of a meteorite that fell to Earth? What? Is the sword of Martin the Warrior in the Red Wall series of children's books? You discover in the second book, Moss Flower, which is actually it's a it's a it's a prequel because in Redwall the main character is a mouse who Martin the Warrior is already long dead and he's trying to find his sword to use it to fight off the rats that are invading the Abbey. But in Mossflower, you discover when Martin himself found the sword, and it was forged by the badgers uh, out of metal in a meteorite that fell to Earth on their beach, and at once cooled, couldn't be reshaped, so it's 
It's also the hardest sword in the world. And these books feature small wooden animals. There's like squirrels and there's there's rats and mice and stuff and and shrews and voles. Um, as all the characters, it's clearly just sort of medieval fantasy for children. It's also several, many times better than Tomb Raider 2001. I was about recommended to all readers of any age. I was this movie. I was about to say, this sounds like such a better story than Tomb Raider 2001. I, it is precious and I love it and how I have good memories of it. I'm kind of curious if the, was it called Mouse Guard uh, RPG was sort of had it took, took ideas from that maybe? I, I wonder. wonder. Uh, Cause there's also the like Watership Down yeah. also lumps together with it, but it's totally different. Uh, like, this one's just full-on kind of light medieval fantasy where the character is mice, but like, he doesn't even go very far to make them mice. Like, they'll they'll pick apples off of trees and like brush it off on their robes and then eat it. It's like, wait a fucking second. But it's fine because it's just, it's overtly like, no, it's just mice. But it's not about being small or mice shaped or anything. Yeah. Huh. Neat. I might have to check that out. I haven't read a... I haven't read, like, a good young adult novel in a really long time. So... Obviously, I haven't had a need to, but... That sounds I mean, it's, cool. it's almost... I think it's more like... A, like, I read when I was seven. The first time. Like, it's <laughs> not... Really young, okay. So it's more like for kids, but it's also something you can polish off in the afternoon, I think, if you want. Neat. Okay. If you get into it. <laughs> and I'm sure there are other things where people have made stuff out of meteor metal for it to be strong and other stuff, but those. That's the only <laughs> reference that popped into my head, honestly. So it's... I know there are others. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, so there's a, a city, a Mayan-looking city in Siberia. It's in a crater, and I don't know if it's a meteor crater or the crater that made the accidental throne city, or both, or what. Yeah, it was not made clear at all. 
Which is part of the first thing I would go to. Yeah. Anyway. No, it's 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 a whole That's that's what the plot is. It's a giant hole. It's a yeah. Anyway. So they, they, so they also, they, if you can time travel the fucking thing, why not hide in the future? If I got a time travel device that's too dangerous for anyone to use, I'm going 50 million years in the future and leaving it on a bench. <laughs> it's like, I'll go to when all the humans are dead. Put it somewhere. <laughs> Although Vegas can't get back. Fuck. Yeah. Never mind. Maybe too smart for me, Tomb Raider. <laughs> that is the first and last time anyone will ever say that phrase. Been outwitted yet again. <laughs> By the five storyboard artists <laughs> and Laura Croft Tomb Raider. I think, sorry, that, that reminds me, because I think when I was looking this up, I think it said that one of the original writers for this movie was the guy who did the the screenplay for Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So, that should tell you the quality of, uh, of screenwriting we have for this. The, uh, the script. I believe it was him. Why? Well, I mean, when I was looking at the, the credits for this movie, there were like seven writing credits, which is never a good sign. Yeah, the, um... So I kind of just... Yeah. Stopped looking into that. Yeah, this... The Wikipedia says that there are two people who did the screenplay and three people who wrote the story, but this guy wasn't, he wasn't part of it, I think, what was his name, it was like Steven D'Souza or something? Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, he... No, I've heard of Dinesh D'Souza, that's someone else. Uh, yeah, it's, that's, he's much worse. Um... Okay, it was... No, maybe it wasn't him. Never mind. But it was a guy named... Okay, Brent Friedman, who had co-written Mortal Kombat Annihilation the year before, penned an unproduced Tomb Raider script, and then it was Steven D'Souza who wrote 
uh, oh, see, I'm sorry, he directed Street Fighter. That's what it was. He penned an early draft of the Tomb Raider script in 1999, but it was rejected. So, yeah, the final draft had five writers, including director Simon West. So, okay. That, that, well, they... Uh, I mean, that explains a lot. It's definitely too many cooks in the kitchen kind of situation. Oh, yeah. But also, um... I wish one of you had, uh, read it. When you were done. Yeah. Guess? I mean, uh, yeah, proofreading is a good idea when you're writing a movie script, normally. I, I'm being a dick. I've only written like two movie scripts myself, neither of them got me into movies, so I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but proof has not been putting yet. But a lot of movies are made that have bad scripts, so... I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know. Eh. Point is, there's a thing they need to get, and they need to stop it, because the Illuminati want it. And for all we know, they're getting something bad with it, but they also might do something good with it. We don't know. Yep. So, they're in Cambodia. Yep. And uh, she's driving like a Hummer through the jungle. Reckless driving once again. And uh, while she's doing that, there are a bunch of other Cambodians who are trying to pull down part of the tomb wall. It looks well, like it's, it's it's Jorah Mormont again. He's got a he's got a team of locals that are hired or enslaved or I think just hired like there's no armed guards or anything like that. He just probably threw a bunch of money at him. It's like, help me destroy these monuments. Yeah. And then of course they make they make no progress until James Bond starts pulling at the the tug of war thing, and of course because there's a white guy there, they succeed because racism. <laughs> uh, you're reading a little more too than I did, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> <They've>, uh, <laughs> 
They just got a bunch of ropes tied to this monument. They're just gonna destroy some more history because that's what tomb raiding is. Yeah. Whereas they're going in the front door, Lara Croft, our expert tomb raider, yeah, follows some birds or moths. Yeah, butterflies. And, and then, and then children's laughter. Yeah, and then a fucking ghost girl, which is never dressed, shows up again later on. That's the end of it. <laughs> like, sometimes there's ghost girls. Fuck you, audience. <laughs> well, I mean, considering what happens in a few minutes, I mean... Ghost girls are the least of anyone's problems. Yeah, no, I mean it's just it's still attached to nothing. No, I I know. Uh, I know. It's 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 just vague mysticism is all it is. That just And like Yeah, yeah and I thought like well, I don't know, I'll get into that later, but I, I, I had an idea what it might be, and then they, of course, didn't develop it at all. <laughs> um, so she's chasing this ghost girl through, I want to say Anger Watt, but that's just the big one that's always photographed. I don't know which actual temple this is. I think there's only like six or seven that look like this in Cambodia, so it's definitely one of those yeah. sites. Because I think um, they actually did film in Cambodia, like the, this wasn't a set. Yeah, well apparently this is the first film, first major Hollywood production to film in Cambodia for like 20 years. And is what led Angelina Jolie to moving there for a while and adopting some Cambodian kids. Because mm. she just really liked the place. Yeah. Which I can see why it's super pretty. Oh yeah. It looks... It looks a little sweaty. <laughs> but if it's not, that place looks lovely. Yeah. Okay. And if it is, it looks lovely for people who aren't me. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, it was actually the first film to be shot in Cambodia, or the first major motion picture to be shot in Cambodia since Lord Jim in 1964. So it was 35 years between major motion pictures. Damn. Yeah. What a, well, was a Mortal Kombat filmed partially in Cambodia? Or did they just use establishing shots from... Uh, I don't know. Were they? I can't remember. Gotta look it up. I thought the same temple was where um, Liu Kang's family was, wasn't it? Possibly. 
don't know. Because uh, that's where I remember the words anger want from. <laughs> when I was embarrassed, I didn't know what it was and looked it up after doing that episode. Like, but I could also be conflating totally unrelated things. Also, I think most of uh, Mortal Kombat was filmed in garage sets and they just used establishing shots from outdoor places, so fair enough. Possibly. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't find specific info from it. I'm trying to look through the Wikipedia page of Mortal Kombat, the film. I'm probably not spelling Anchor Watt correctly. Anyway, apparently once they pull down the front door, the path curves immediately downward and sharply to the left because Lara Croft exploring this other ruin literally falls into the room. Then <laughs> uh, they need to get the the bullshit out of. Yep. Um, and because she fell instead of walking, she knows there's there's a, a keyhole up at the top also, and that the one they're using. The obvious one is probably a decoy, and they're running out of time because it has to be the exact planetary alignment, so it's counting down, it's counting down. They're gonna use the wrong one. She slips out of the shadows, be like, No, wait, you're destroying the world wrong, and helps them. Because what the fuck is the point of this movie? Because she wants to have her dad back. Is that, it, at this point, does she still want to grab the thing uses time travel stuff? I think so. Uh, I, d I don't know, honestly. But that, that would at least be internally consistent. I'll give it that. It might be being too harsh on it. Well, so eventually she comes around to, we can't use this ass to be destroyed, but if she's not there yet, fair enough. No, I think she was definitely sort of at that point because I think whenever she had I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm thinking about a different scene in the movie. I might have been thinking slightly further on in the movie, but I'm fairly certain that her motivation behind this entire help the bad guys was to get the triangle so she could go back and, and have her father back. 
That's uh, what it seemed like to me, but well, that, I don't know. That would, in fairness, make some sense. So I'll withdraw my objection to this specific part where she's like, the villains are about to be stymied by their own malfeasance, so let's help them and make sure they have <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the ability to further their goals, but they're also hurtful, so okay, okay, yeah, okay, alright, okay, movie, okay, you win this round, fine, I do, I do like the one scene where where uh, James Bond is counting down from from sixty, fifty nine, fifty eight, and then Lars like sort of holding a conversation with him. She's like, "How are you, Alex?" And he's like, "Fine." 56, 55, <laughs> she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm working, 54, 55, <laughs> I was like, that was, I like that part for some reason. It's the only, he's, he's, he's actually kind of charming. Have we already passed the part where we almost see his dick? No, that's, that's coming up just in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I was actively just whispering in the screams like, show that dog. Daniel, 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 Daniel. From that dog, <laughs> he doesn't do it. But it was <laughs> it's a PG 13 movie. I mean, I'd be yeah. surprised if we got to see Daniel Craig dog. You should get some Daniel Craig side boob to go along with Angelina Jolie's side. True. That part it's was. Whole, <laughs> I did like it's that. It's a side boob fucking. Banquet, if that's what you're <laughs> I did enjoy the surprise, but still pretty cool male fans or female fan service of just having Daniel Craig showering much in the same way that Angelina well, Jolie just... was showering. Earlier in the Get film. behind that table. That table's as low as you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, do I see some top of dong wrinkle? I think I do. Pause. Freeze frame. I can't do it. It's on Netflix. Alright. <laughs> Can't do my careful frame by frame, frame by frame, Daniel Craig 
dog hunt like it usually did. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel, Daniel Craig Dong Hunt has to be the name of a band. That's a pretty good punk band. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Craig Dong Hunt. <laughs> Princess C. Lara Croft Full citation after the whole. <laughs> oh, God. So they put the key in the thing, and the thing come down off the thing, and the thing swing off of the thing. There's like a battering ram that has to break a jar. Yep. Why? Was there any explanation as to why? No, and also, these guys can time travel and organize this whole thing in a key that works a thousand years later and bullshit, bullshit. But they, they miscalculated the weight of their log. <laughs> so she has to jump on top and help it go. Like... It's elaborate, not a von Neumann machine. What's the machine where a thing leads to a thing leads to a thing? Uh, von Neumann's room wants a room Goldberg. Rube Goldberg machine, thank you. Yeah. To, to punch it, and she has to jump on the thing, and she weighs like, what, a buck thirty? If that. She's, able, she's able to move this giant fucking this log, several, probably several ton, whatever. Yeah, I just, I don't, yeah. I'm not a physicist. I know the movie, I, I know it's scientific bona fides have been established, so... I'll take their word for it. I would not have thought I could do that, and I weigh two inch lanterns. <laughs> or what? No, I'm I'm a, I'm a man too. I weigh seven inch my problem would be getting down there with my climbing kit in the first place. <laughs> my climbing kit is mostly a giant canvas harness. <laughs> and then, hopefully, the good intentions of a bunch of humans operating for me. <laughs> If any of you out there like Photoshop and enjoy that, uh, 
Any fan art of a manatee being lowered into a tomb? Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, or Mission Impossible style? Uh, we'll get you a shout out. <laughs> and featured on our vlog. <laughs> see that now. <laughs> Ditto flying vampire mantis. There, there are a couple ways to make it on sharp <laughs> Oh god. Well, yes. Yeah, all that. I'm just kind of the way the log. The terrible, selectively bulletproof statuemen come to life. Um, yeah. Lord Croft's bullets are stronger than other people's bullets, I guess. Well, I mean, they're using assault rifles, which shoot many bullets, which are not as strong as Laura's... Uh, pistols which shoot single bullets in a slower pattern, so obviously her bullets are stronger. It's science. It's proven. And they're not even, like, hugely, like, bigger caliber bullets. They're just chunkier. It is proven. She shoots them okay. slower, so her bullets are stronger. Well, no, sorry, but I'm just... I'm just also, she's I'm giving, shooting them from closer. I'm pointing out how the movie could have at least established some credit for itself and then failed to is all. Like, they specifically chose guns for that fired the same caliber round as smaller guns. I think it's nice that you're actually trying to give the movie credit for trying to establish oh, no, itself. I'm saying they could have done this thing and failed to. Like, you yeah. could have at least got the the dumb movie sounds like, well, she's shooting whatever, uh, magnum slugs or something. She's not even. Yeah. She, she has two nine mils that are just abnormally chunky guns, <laughs> but they're not. I mean, she also shot, doesn't she chop like two or three of these things into pieces with a sword? Did I see that right? Or was I just not paying attention closely? Uh, I don't know, maybe. My eyes kind of glazed over for this part. Uh, yeah. I mean... <sighs> I mean, statues come to life, which should be a lot more interesting than it is. Because the first overtly supernatural thing to happen... Mm -hmm. 
except the clock spring life on its own at the right like hour or yeah which uh, that might be supernatural that just might have been Lord Croft planning it to do that we don't know it's never really well, explained how, how do you set a 20 years in the future, like, spring? Uh, well, I mean, mechanism. to be fair, it is established later on that Lord Croft is a genius. They say it's, they say he's a genius, so he must have figured uh, it out true. somehow. He is a genius. Yeah. Point right. proven. Science. Oh, right. I, I keep I keep casting doubt on the the science of this movie, and I keep being uh, put in my place. Yeah. So I apologize. Thank you. To you and the whole Tomb Raider community. Thank you. For making the same mistake over and over again. Apology accepted. I think it's because none of the characters react <laughs> appropriately. <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of like, oh. Well, those are there. Let's back away slowly and shoot them. The monkey warrior statues came to life again. It's like they don't care, so I don't care. So it's sort of just weird, like. Yeah. I don't know, do we even even die? Because you sort of get the impression that the henchmen are getting their asses kicked, and I don't know if you see any of them, like, not make it out. I'm fairly... They get knocked over and stuff. I'm pretty sure no one in this movie dies. Well, at one thing, it's chopped the fucking half later on. But that's a, uh... He's fine. Alright, fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's science. He was fine. Oh, statues come to life, and there's a boss fight, because the big statue come to life also, and she shoot it, and eventually fall, fall apart. It doesn't even fall apart, she just get away from it. No, she... Look, she, she gets back on the... The... The, the thingy. The whatchamacallit. The oh, battering yeah, battering ram. Yeah. Knock it down. Yeah, hit it in the chest. And it does that weird slow-mo, low-frame-rate camera thing for like 10 seconds for some weird reason. It's a very video game level puzzle and boss fight. Like, yeah. The 
The solution to their puzzle is to take the swords out of the hands of the statue and put them into all the sword slots that are on the ground that couldn't possibly be for anything else. And then the statue comes to life and tries to kill everyone and doesn't. Yeah. And they get their... It, it does the weird, like, the... Disney's Atlantis thing where there's like a magic liquid that comes out of something, goes in the statues and makes them come to life. They don't address that at all. Yeah. I would have bottled some of that shit at least. <laughs> There's some shit I would bottle up in just a few minutes in this movie. Uh, we'll get to that shortly, I'm sure. Well, Daniel Craig's dong doesn't count. Are you thinking something else? Well, I was, but it's not, it's not fully on screen. I mean, I was thinking of something else, but now yeah, that's all. bottled if it's not on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of something else, but now... Okay, that's fair. You, you got me there. I just feel like you got this weird mercury stuff to bring statues to life. Does it work on my childhood teddy bear, Jelly? <laughs> Who's my best friend? And I feel like if he could move, would also have my back in more adult situations. Like he was my best friend when I was six, but he can't, for example, get me home safe when I've had too much to drink. Now, because I don't have magic animating inanimate objects. Uh, goo. But if it did, hmm. me and Jelly would hit the town, the town like every Friday night. He'd give me home safe. Because he's also super strong. <laughs> I, I, lo I like this. I like this reality you've crafted. You ever seen the movie Ted? No, I haven't. I'm not sure I want to. It was actually alright. And it's pretty much... Um, it's already been made. <laughs> That's pretty much my idea. I was gonna say, it's like, this sounds an awful lot like the movie Ted, but. A little bit more yeah, heartwarming, I guess. No. No. I hope you got the same. Alright. <laughs> Okay, uh, 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 so she got, she got, there's, the bulletproof statue men can't be killed by enemy bullets, but can't be killed by her bullets. Mm -hmm. She killed the big one with the 
pentagram. Yep. She wind up. No, she runs away. Daniel Craig refuses to shoot her. First indication we have they might be friends, kind of. Or friendly rivals, or exes, or something. Right. Is that a conversation in the museum? Yeah. Sorry. No, all I was gonna say twice, you remember? No, all I was gonna say was that I think the word you're looking for is frenemies. Which is a word I hate, but it's pretty much, I think it describes them pretty well. But did they, because in the conversation in the museum in the beginning at the auction, yeah, did they mention their history much? Because I didn't write down. Not really. They just kind of said, he said something of the effect of, Oh, you're still pretending to be a photojournalist. And she says something like, Oh, you're still pretending to be an archaeologist, which I thought was a pretty sick burn. But, uh... Okay. So they know each other, but it doesn't... So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, they just... They're, they're frenemies or rivals or whatever, but they're not, like... It doesn't establish that they had any other sort of relationship other than the fact that they're rivals, basically. It seems like. Well, here's where it establishes that Daniel Craig might be... Working for the wrong guys, but he's not, like, just kill people evil. Yeah. So that's like character development. Yeah. It's, it's adjacent to character development. Yeah. She jumps off a waterfall because of course she does. She has the other half of the triangle because they got it from the monkey statues or whatever. Then she finds a boat somewhere because you just do that, I guess. You just found one. Yeah. Rose up to some it's not a city, but like a village in Cambodia. Yeah. Something. Uh, where there's a temple and a bunch of monks in it. Yep. Uh, she calls her nerd friend. Tells him... No. This is later. She no, this, this is this. It's there. It's here. She tells him where to go. She says, meet him in Venice. And he's like, what? And then she hangs up. And well, it, who tells her to go to Venice first? Oh, Someone. Um, 
Oh yeah, I guess Powell must have. She had. Oh no, she, she takes no action on her own. She calls Always a man, tells her where to go next. Okay, right. She calls Powell first and says, like, I have the triangle, and he's like, let's meet up in Venice. That's right. what happens. And then she calls her friend and she says, uh, prepare pack for Venice and he's like where and then she hangs up and if she hadn't if, if he actually hadn't like heard her correctly the movie would have just ended there basically I took the exact same note <laughs> I said pack for where she throws the mission <laughs> just to dramatically hang up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, it's very bad. <laughs> and then she goes to a, goes to a temple and there's some sort of a ceremony uh, and then she hangs out with this cool old monk dude who gives her this apparently really bad tasting tea that heals her wounds and that's the thing post of cure light wound that is the thing that I was gonna say you should bottle that shit up and carry it with you oh yeah yeah it's like okay you get shot out get you know get a bullet in your shoulder take a swig of of magic healing tea and you're good when can you want those things where you like, I, I forget what you call it, where you like introduce an element earlier on in the movie and then it comes back later? Yeah. One of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could still have it if, for instance, her buddy... Daniel Craig gets stabbed or something and she needs to save him but can't use the time travel thing she just promised her father not to, for instance. Yeah. Something like that, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they do actually have that exact thing in that they... they but in the that... Wow, I can't talk anymore. Sorry. The thing that they have that Who's keeps coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <much cheaper>. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that they keep bringing back is the fact that every fucking person on Earth knows Lord Croft because the old monk dude knows him, apparently. Also. Oh, yeah. Or knew him. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah. So, so, so Laura meets Powell in the Illuminati headquarters. Now go to Venice. It's another big open, like, museum place with chairs in it. I think it was actually the Illuminati place, wasn't it? Or was it a different place? It, no, it is. I'm just talking about the set design oh, for uh, place okay. in this movie. Yeah. And she says, so you work for the Illuminati? And he says, what's the Illuminati? Those are... Her bedtime stories, and then she throws a knife into something, and she's like, "So you work for the Illuminati?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, the Illuminati, those people." Because apparently he was <laughs> he was scared. Their secret society has their like Illuminati symbol stamped on every yeah. piece of stationery <laughs> and wall, and exactly. Chair. Yeah. I do like how she keeps demanding to know who sits in the <laughs> chair. Yeah. She's like, who sits here? Who sits here? It's not you. It's definitely not you. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Yeah. That was enjoyable. Because I think she's like playing to his insecurities. Because she knows he wants to be the you know, the head, or whatever, of the Illuminati, right? Or he wants the power. He wants the power, at least. Well, he tells her that her dad used to be in it, and she didn't know that, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense, because... Fucking everyone on Earth knows him. And apparently everyone on the fucking planet is part of the Illuminati. So... Yeah, that's as much as we get of that. Yeah. I mean, it's like plot development, but it's not. Yeah. Because they... I guess they... They plan... Because he knows where the second half of the triangle is. So I guess they decide to strike up a partnership of sorts. Yeah, even though there's no... He doesn't need her for anything. Like, once she's in his presence with the other half of the triangle, he can just kill her and take her. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't, because they make an agreement to be this weird team-up, even though they don't seem to like each other. Yeah. And he hasn't told her at all what he's going to do with it when he gets it. She's like, oh, okay, fine, we, we both want to be able to time travel, so fuck it. Which could almost work if it was more legitimate. But it's just one of those, like, he's clearly the bad guy, even though he hasn't done anything that evil yet. Mm-hmm. 
it would have been at least a fun twist if it was actually like, oh yeah, like neither of us have that many principles and we both just want this thing, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it go. But they do, at this point, hit us with the second weird shower scene of the movie. <laughs> this time it's Daniel Craig yep. with his eyes closed and his mouth open yep. looking up into the shower head, which is the default shower thing. <laughs> But he's showering in someone's house. I guess. Uh, well, it's a, it's a hotel, right? Oh. Because he scares the maid. Or... Oh, I th- okay. I completely misunderstood that. I thought he was just showering in some random person's house. Okay. Uh, hotel. I hotel. Think it's makes his sense. hotel room. Because he hears the noise, so he gets out of the shower naked with a gun, goes to the front door and opens it, and it's room service, and she freaks out because the naked guy with a gun. (laughs) And I guess it's a comedy scene. (laughs) And then when he comes back in, Laura Croft is there, and his dong is blocked by, like, a mug on the table. <laughs> and this is back when we said human proportions. Yeah. Because I also saw him James Bond, he's four times this size, but in both scenes he has, like, 2% body fat, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> What do they even say? They have a discussion, but I forget what it's about. The only thing I remember from that scene is after she's left and he says he needs to go take a cold shower. That's the only thing I remember from that scene. (laughs) Yeah, it's not... It doesn't really... Build because I still don't have an impression of what the relationship used to be. It doesn't build on that at all, but it also doesn't build on the plot. It's kind of just a like, hey, I'm super confident, Brooke, into your place. Like, you are super confident. I like that. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I like being unfair. I could go back and watch it again, but I don't want to go back and watch it No, you don't have to. <laughs> Please don't, for your own sanity's sake. <sighs> so now they're teamed up. My, my first, my note is just, why is she dressed this way? <laughs> Everybody else is bundled up in like parkas and shit. And she's got 
a white trench coat in spandex. And that's her cold weather gear. Well, she's got a hood on it. She got like a fur-lined yeah. hood. That's enough, right? The cloak doesn't look bad. I'll give you the cloak. <laughs> they go to this little village. We see the second appearance of Little Ghost Girl. Tells her that she's sacrificing too much to see her dad again. And then vanishes from this Siberian fishing village thing. The, uh, then, oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. A fucking, a Russian land boat pulls up. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest looking thing ever, except it turns out a scene later, oh, it is a boat. <laughs> so, my bad. <laughs> just, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and, I don't know, what they go across uh, a lake. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like the scene for first time in a while, it's sort of just fun expedition bullshit. Like, they they take their vehicles in, they can't fly over because it's a dead zone, they say, which I guess in this universe means no electronics work there. That's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> Which is not what dead zone means. A dead zone means you can't get a signal, but whatever. It's a permanent EMP. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. Um. So they take their land boats across a frozen lake with a bunch of glaciers in it. Or icebergs in it, I guess. Then they take sled dogs, and it's really pretty. I don't think it's Siberia. It looks like it filmed somewhere else, but I like it. They went to a cave. Is there anything I'm skipping over that's important? Because I feel like there's not. Nah, not really. Okay. On this cage. <laughs> she looks super cold all the time. <laughs> they, they find a room with a bell in it, and it turns out the secret to this room is touching the only thing in it. Because <laughs> she's a great Tomb Raider. So she touched the bell and it ring and it break the wall open and there's passage behind the wall and they go through that. It didn't so much break the wall open as the ice fucking exploded. Right. 
be crafty as in the uh, CGI blue Yeah. <laughs> and then they're in a big octopus pod steampunk planetarium thing that looks nothing like an ancient ruin. It was definitely like a mid-18th century steam-powered bullshit thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's riveting marks all over it. It's, uh... <laughs> I don't know if this is supposed to be like a more recent thing the Russians set up or if this is still a 5,000 year old because I lost the thread. I lost the thread. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the ghost goes for the second time and I have the eye out now. It fucking changed. Everything changed. <laughs> do, do you do you know what this is? Um, big rotating, riveted steel planetarium. It's what's it? It's it's called scientific mysticism, is what it is. Scientific mysticism. Yeah, it's called the Illuminati. I guess. So they, it's been around like those Dumbo rides at Disney World. <laughs> because the, uh, the eclipse is about to happen. Like the alignment's supposed yeah. to be like in a couple minutes. Well, there's these floating like will of the wisp things or something. Right. They're like where like a dog jumps through it and he gets skinned and then he's a skeleton. Then when he comes to the other side it's alive again. And she's just like oh it's time. There's time storms. It's time time flays things. Yeah, I mean, skin cleanly from things when it passes through, you know, time, like time does. I mean, it's just science, you guys. That's how it works. That's how time works. It's, there are little pockets. There are little, so mad. There are pockets. There are pockets of the world where time is in some weird state of flux, and if you go through it, you're torn apart and then put back together again. It's science. But not even torn apart, it's neatly shorn. Okay. Flayed. Uh, temporarily. Yeah. As long as it's temporary, that's fine, right? 
When I say he's holding every person he's killed hostage because he says it's a time travel thing? Yeah. It's like, if you help me, I'll go back in time and unstab that guy. Which, I, I guess if you have a time travel machine, it's as good a threat as any. Just, yeah. Blow guy away, like, well, now you have to help me or he's gonna stay blown away. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like it's not really the best of threats because it's not like. It's not like. The two of them were friends. It's not like she and Daniel Craig were. You know, buddy buddy. Yeah, well, and you also still know it's gonna work. Yeah. Which is just like you're taking them, you're taking both the threat and the. You're just taking everything on faith. It's not. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, she could have just said whatever and just killed the guy and destroyed the triangle and been, that would have been it, but instead she she reaches into the little time flux thing and she pulls out I don't know what that was. Right? She breaks she breaks the clock for the second time because the key that was in the clock she already broke once to get the important part, which is the key. Oh right. Now right. she breaks again to get the important part, which is a rock that she knows about because there was a line about sand in the poem or something? Something like that. It's kind of out of nowhere, but there's a magic piece of sand in the clock, which is what made the clock work, which is what made the clock on top of the clock work, whatever. It's the third piece. She just intuits all of this. Yeah. Put in the middle, and it makes the thing. Yeah. And then, it, does it like fly off a little bit, and then she and Powell have to like chase after it? Whoever gets yeah, to this it. weird trippy like hallucination thing yeah. where they're both on a pyramid running up and trying to grab it at the right time or something. Yeah. And then he falls off of it and she grabs the triangle and suddenly she's back with her dad. Yeah. It's just this weird, like, it's not a time travel thing. It's like a ghost world, go wherever, whenever you want 
anything? Yeah. Um. um but her dad's like, don't mess with time. And she's like, you're right. And then immediately messes with the time. <laughs> because <laughs> what, what he tells her is, listen, you need to destroy it uh, because it's too dangerous. And what she doesn't say is, why the fuck didn't you destroy it? <laughs> uh, why'd you build a clock around it to make sure we could find it? <laughs> Instead, she acts like that's wisdom. <laughs> so, he, he, he's like, hey, listen. Can't bring me back because I'm always with you, and, and using time travel to fix things is too rad. <laughs> and she's like, You're right, I won't use it. And then comes back to the world and goes back in time with it. To unstab Daniel Craig instead. Yeah. And sort of stab Powell instead. Yeah, because she, she turns the knife around and that, I guess, turns its momentum around because that's not how that works. Yeah, that's totally how physics work, dude. Science. Because time's frozen, she turns it around. What should happen is it hits Daniel Craig anyway, but it hits him with the handle of the pillow. Actually, that would have been a much funnier scene. This guy like bounces off his chest, he's like, ow. It's like, why would you? <laughs> but no, she turns around so it flies back and hits Sir Jorah instead. Yeah. And then immediately shoots the time travel thing, because that's all she needed from it. She's not going to it again. <laughs> It turns out this whole time you could have just shot it and it shatters into like sand. Yeah. Completely destroyed. Yeah. <sighs> so everyone leaves except for what's his name and and what's her face. Yeah, Sir Jor and and uh wanted. Yeah. Salt. <laughs> uh, wanted salt. Oh, he unstabs himself. I'm not sure how he does this thing. He just sort of pulls the knife out and is healthy again. Well, I mean, he must have had some of that tea that the monk had. I guess. That's the only explanation I can think of. But... Uh, 
Oh, right. So he, they're all, they're leaving. He's on the ground dying. He's like, but I have your stopwatch. Yeah. And she's like, oh shit, I need that stopwatch to warn anything. Yep. So she go back. He casts cure on himself <laughs> and he's fine. <laughs> So then they can fight physically over the whole thing. Uh-huh. And she win again. Yep. So she gets the stopwatch. Yep. And they do that weird low frame rate thing one more time as she delivers the killing blow. For some reason. Oh, yeah, the weird, like, strobe Yeah. Yeah. So they do that, and then she takes the pocket watch and leaves. And uh, goes through some sort of weird ice tube. And has a jolly old time. Yeah, cause she, cause the, the sled is buried. So she just grabs the dogs and they pull her and she slides on her feet. And actually does look super fun. It's just a really weird note to go out on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I avenged my father and didn't get the chapter I'll think, Wee! Yeah. They're suddenly back at the palace. Whatever weird relationship she developed with Daniel Craig over the last 15 seconds is gone. <laughs> um, she's back in the house with her friends, and I don't even know if they say anything. It's just one of those, like, like he brings up a tray, like there's food on it, but it's actually guns. Then the Ed 2 Anon comes back out. It's like, oh, cool, I get to keep on working forever. Well, the, the, the whole thing, I took me two tries to actually get what this whole scene was about. Because, because her butler guy, he walks up and he's like drops the tray because he's in shock because she's wearing the dress that he tried to make her wear at the beginning of the film because he said something of, to the effect of you know wearing a dress is ladylike or some bullshit like that oh right she goes out and visits her dad's mausoleum yeah, but she does it in the dress instead of, you know, in her usual either 
tight pants or the weird flowing pajama robe things. So she goes out, visits his grave one more time. Then she goes back in. Then he has the guns on a silver platter. The, the robot comes up. And then she holds the guns in a really awkward position for a couple seconds too long. And then the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, and just the, the editing, especially that last part, but for the last like half hour, it's just so abrupt and strange. <laughs> it's not. Like it, it has exactly the lead up and the sort of flowy impact that we just gave it now. Like, and then this, and then, and then, and then, yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. It's so weird. So, we don't know who the Ghost Girls was. Nope. We don't know why her father sent her on this mission in the first place. Oh. Because his overall message was don't do this thing. We missed one small part. Um, oh. There's the scene where uh, when when, she, when uh, what's his name is dying. I forget. His, what, was, what was his Game of Thrones name? Sir Joran? Sir Jorah Mor Sir Jorah. Uh, where he reveals that he killed her dad. There was that part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how he has a stopwatch. Yeah. That was... That was or why. The, the wastewatch. The, the coat watch. Yeah. But that's that's neither here nor there, quite honestly, as far as plot importance. And then the flashback scene is like they're just standing on a cliff and he just caps in the head. Yeah. It's not like Yeah. It seems to be with no context whatsoever. Yeah, just pretty much. Remember, pretty much. I killed your phone. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that was pretty much it. Like, it was just a quick, it was like eight seconds long, that entire scene. So she avenged her father and she get her her well, she doesn't get anything she just goes back to where she was she got peace of mind she got closure she successfully prevented 
that thing she almost caused from happening. Yeah. And that her dad should have stopped from happening 15 years ago, but didn't because he wanted to set things up so that she could fix things. Yeah, that's the... That's the movement of the plot. That's what has changed. Yep. It's just nothing. I thought when it was time travel thing, I thought the ghost girl was gonna be like her as a child or something, warning herself. Oh yeah. That is not the way it went. No, that that would have that would have made sense. And as we've established previously the script makes no sense. Yeah, it's just, it's just there was a ghost child that showed up twice and vanished. Yep, twice after giving weird sage advice that wasn't followed. Pretty much, yeah. And that is... The plot of Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Yay! <sighs> this one was exhausting. So <laughs> I don't. I um. I regret even remember even finding out that this movie was still on Netflix. Yeah, listen. Don't let me ask you yums. If you like this movie, I don't understand you. But, uh, I'm glad you do. Movies with female protagonists that don't suck are very rare. This isn't one of those. <laughs> But, it is always refreshing to find one that speaks to your interests if none of the other movies do, and if your interests are, you need female protagonists that are super capable, and the movie doesn't need to be good. Fair enough. Because this is one of those. Also, potential uh, for Daniel Craig Dong. Yeah, it's almost there. Just, just, a, just a whisper. <laughs> just a whisper of Craig Dong. <laughs> um, but, alas. It doesn't pull the trigger. <laughs> it's a coward. It doesn't pull the <laughs> Craig Dong Whisper sounds like the name of a Captain Beefheart album. 
No one's gonna get that. Bro. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I don't even For all it. we know, the Illuminati was going to do good things with it. I would have done good things with it. Well, I mean, the time travel thing, but oh, Donald. Yeah, me too. That's totally what I meant. What? <laughs> What's happening? I blacked uh, out for a second. Man, this... I think this is the worst we've done so far, though. Like, I'm... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking back at the... The wreckage of my life. <laughs> Just like, like, I wish I had a magic triangle so I could go back in time and be like, no. Watch Doom instead. <laughs> Doom, at least they have an homage the video game at the end of the movie. <laughs> this one's like ignoring the games, I think. The, the problem might be that I was never a big fan of the games until that most recent one where they reboot it to a totally different direction. Oh, yeah. So, maybe I'm not the one this was for. Because it did gross a lot for some reason. Well, I think it actually got really bad reviews from... Well, obviously it got really bad reviews, but... Um, hold on. I gotta find this now. Because you want to find a good review, uh, critical response. Because oh, whoops! I have Mortal Kombat up there for some reason. My mistake. Let's see. <laughs> critical response. Why do I still have? Damn it! Don't want Mortal Kombat. There we go. What's the problem, Sam? I'm, I'm not clicking back enough on my on my my computer. That's the problem. Okay. So it said that uh, IGN gave this movie a rating of zero out of ten. It's apparently condemned everything from character performance to the ending. But weirdly enough, a positive review came from Roger Ebert of all people. He gave this film he gave this film a three out of four stars and said Lara Croft Tomb Raider elevates goofiness to an art form. Here's a movie so monumentally silly yet so wondrous to look at 
that only a churl could find fault. So apparently we're churls. Yeah. We found many faults with this movie. I, I, it might be unfair that we're taking it out of its time because I don't know how many cheeseball action movies were popular in 2001 and this might be might be a take on those that's actually half clever in ways I'm not recognizing. I'd have a hard time is believing that would actually be the case. I mean, I don't know. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying I can see where some gaps in my own knowledge of the genre could lead me to think it's a worse movie than it is. Because, like, Phantom is also bad in a lot of ways, but I love it because I recognize the things it's making fun of. I gotcha. And if Tomb Raider is doing something similar, I wouldn't know it. And I want to leave, I, want, I just want to make sure to leave that possibility open because, you know, maybe. Yeah. Let's see. I'm just looking through the, like, major film releases of 2001. Just briefly, so like Hannibal came out in 2001. I'm looking for something that's sort of actiony. 3,000 Miles to Graceland came out in 2001. It's not a good example either. Uh, the, uh, the Mexican came out in 2001. I haven't seen The Mexican. I've seen it. it was, I don't remember anything about it. Uh, Enemy at the Gates came out in 2001. That was a good um, one. Exit Wounds came out in 2001. The Steven Seagal. Masterpiece. Uh, okay, listen. If I'm trying to see the Skull movie, suddenly it's okay. Uh, let's see. Memento came out in 2001. Holy shit, that's been a while. Uh, let's that see. Was one. Yeah, it was. Spy Kids came out in 2001. Blow came out in 2001. 
I feel like this is going to be a really long segment. It's it is. It's not going anywhere. I'm just I'm just naming off movies that it came out in 2001. That, oh, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. This was shortly after The Matrix came out, I think. Yeah, I wonder if they're making fun of it a couple of times with the trench coats and the sunglasses. It's entirely possible. Oh, The Mummy Returns also came out. Sorry. Just reading through stuff now. Um. It's possible, yeah, because I guess with, uh, like you said, with, uh, trench coats and, the sunglasses and, uh, the bungee cord wire foo stuff, possibly could have been taking off on the Matrix. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to... I don't want to pretend I know it's objectively terrible or anything because <laughs> there could be things it's doing that I'm just not seeing. Um, that's always a possibility and I want to leave it open. <laughs> Because if you like this movie, I don't want to take it away from you because you're incredible. <laughs> because how are you doing this thing? <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my. This is. Um, I usually try to be more positive. This is the harshest review I've given of a movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm mad at it. I'm not even sure why. It's just, I mean, honestly, it kind of deserves it. I don't know. Uh, so, what did you recommend this movie? <laughs> To try to put some sort of formality to our uh, our format. Um. So, Jay and Silent Bob came out in 2001. <laughs> uh. I really wanted to like that one, but that wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Um. No, I can't. I can't recommend this movie. Even if you want to be one of those people who's like, I've seen every video game movie ever made. First off, that's a really, that's a really poor decision to make. Uh, Although, if they're going that route anyway, it might be, uh, this might not be the worst one. There's, that, yeah, 
this possibly There's a whole bunch down there that, uh, possibly. There is a Prince of Persia uh, movie, which apparently is awful. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like a 90 pound woman's like legs and shoulders. It's not gonna happen. It's not how we're designed. Yeah. Vikander's one is okay. Mm. And this one, if you really like, if it's, I mean, maybe it's just like super cheese ball in a way that I feel like if it's super cheese ball, I like them though. If it's so bad, it's good. Yeah. This one doesn't quite reach there. No, this, this is more of so bad, it's terrible. It's like, it's not taking itself seriously, but it's also not leaning into it far enough to hit that sweet spot for me. Yeah, the... But if it does for you, I don't want to tell you you're wrong. They, they, pu they put tongue-in-cheek, but not quite far enough so that they didn't accidentally bite their tongue. I guess. Yeah. 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 Tune in next month. <laughs> I watched this movie twice in three days. I hate myself. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch different next time. We're, we're gonna look at um, whatever our, our pulp poll came back with. Uh, reminder like. For Patreon subscribers past a certain level, I think it's just the $2 a month level and up. Uh, you can vote on movies we're gonna do. So that has been voted on. We're gonna do that for the next one. Uh, play the Tomb Raider game, the one where she looks all like dirty and mad on the cover. <laughs> Uh, like, the one where she looks like a survivor of something, uh, is a good one. Okay. I suppose the one where she looks really put together and rich, those are the bad ones. <laughs> the one where she's got a bow. She's on the cover, she's got a bow, you have to build your own bow, or steal it from, like, a, a dead guy. That one's pretty good. Play the game instead of watching this movie. Yeah, I, the, I think the games are much more... The more recent games are a much more cinematic experience than this movie. 
which is probably saying something about the film. Yeah. Yeah, and like, if you ever, if you have several billion dollars, don't blow it on robot games for yourself. Like, pull some people out of poverty. That's have a fucking mission that isn't just self-indulgence. Seriously. Uh, and and if you got if you got if you've got a several dozen acre palace, like do something with the yard. Don't just. <laughs> I mean, what's the point of just like mowing it flat so it looks like? Could be astroturf. That's boring. Like that grounds. Do something with them. Like get a tiger. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> and, and listen, if you're invited to live in your friend's palace. I get why you want to have your own space, but like, it's an 8,000 room mansion. You don't need to park a trailer on the front lawn. <laughs> you can do all kind of stuff. Yeah. And listen, if you've got, if you've got two halves of nature artifacts, and if you put them together, you get ultimate power, don't speechify first. Get ultimate power and speechify later. <laughs> like, put it together. Otherwise, someone might shit you and take it. And you'll deserve it. Because you're speechifying. You should have been getting ultimate time travel power. Yeah. And listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna get Daniel Craig naked in a shot, show that Don't I was wondering when we were gonna get to that one. fucking tomb while you do it. Come on. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just getting ready to order some food. month uh, 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 
reminder to, to check out our Patreon if you want to help out with the Manatee Habitat Reservation. Or go over our heads join directly, and that's 100%. That's a fair option. Yeah. Um, totally. But I, I like the half and half, because then you also help us do this more often. And, you know, uh, uh, until next time, um, I'm Ben. I'm Sam. And I... Take it. I, I, I care for my style, bro. What's going on? <laughs> I love you. Sweet. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matinee manatees. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, the Stitcher app, or on YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and hundreds of others on his website in Thanks for listening. <laughs>